This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. Good morning, Emmanuel. How many of you love Jesus today? You love him? Uh, big shout out to all of our locations, Lakeville, Maple Grove, Elk River, Spring Lake Park Online, One Church family gathering together. It's a great day to be together. I want to give you one dream that I have for anybody that attends Emmanuel, whether it's your first time today or you've been here for a long time. My dream is, is that you would discover church to be far more than just a service that you watch on a screen or in front of you. I, I, my, my desire isn't that you just watch it like you would a movie. In fact, my desire is that you would be able to be connected to other people in the church. Because I know that if you can build a friendship or make a connection to somebody else, you stand a better chance throughout every day of the week in your story of faith to fight the devil, to fight all of those things that you're fighting against in this day and age and to, to win and be successful and discover all that God has for you. My desire is that you be connected. And, uh, and so I know that that doesn't happen all at once, but one way that we do uh, work to make sure that that happens here at our church is a thing called Growth Track. And uh, often you'll hear each of our campus pastors talk about it, but I want you to hear me as the lead pastor just say it to you. I really hope that everyone can get connected, and it's only, it runs every month. It starts next week. I encourage you to jump in if you've not yet been connected, or maybe you've been here for a long time, and uh, you need to jump back in. And I encourage you to jump into Growth Track as well. Starts next week. How many of you have been to Growth Track? Let me see your hands. In each of our locations, I believe it's happening. Yeah, I mean, it makes a significant difference when you can discover more than just hearing from the guy on the platform yell at you on Sundays and, uh, and that you can go a little bit further in your step of faith and connection to your gifts and where you can make a difference in our church. Give it up for Growth Track, would you? I just appreciate all the people that are involved in that. Today we're on week number three of Made Well, Body, Soul, and Spirit. And uh, we've been looking at the, the passage of Scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. This is a powerful statement and a kind of our base text for the series saying this is that we can reach a level of contentedness, of wellness, where there is no broken parts of our life and our story that God's grace cannot fill as we follow Jesus. And we talked about how for the God of peace, I mean, the God of peace can put our broken pieces back together again. And so only the God of peace can do that. And the prayer of Paul was, is may it happen in every part of your life, not just one part, not just Sunday morning, not just the religious part of you, but every part of your life to experience it in your relationships, to experience it in your mind, in your soul, and to understand what it means to be happy every single day, not based on the circumstances, but based on what God can give you. And last week, we looked at the body, so it was made with body, soul, and spirit. So we looked at the body and how God created us. And today we're gonna, the title of my message is Transforming, and we're gonna be looking at the soul. What is the soul? 
Well, I think the best way for me to talk about this is, is that you and I all have an inner world and an outer world. Uh, the outer world is the me that I project to others. It's my reputation. It's what I do. Uh, many of us in this day and age will understand that through the lens of social media even, what picture we present to the world around us. And uh, how many know we don't do the one with our eyes closed? And we don't present the picture that we, our hair is out of place or something's not right. We present something to the world around us. And most people try to change their inner world by improving their outer world, but it never works. The inner world, that internal world or private world that we have, is where my secret thoughts and hopes live. And because the inner life is invisible, it is easy to neglect. So I want us to not neglect the inner world today as we look at it. And Jesus addresses the absolute priority of the inner world. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus is talking, uh, speaking. And he says, then calling the crowd to his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll gain, think about this. If you give up your life for my sake, Jesus is saying it to you. Turn to the person next to you and say, he's making this personal. And if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will what? Save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? This is interesting because Jesus is talking and he uses the word soul and soul kind of takes on a different ramification throughout scripture. Soul, spirit are interloped sometimes. Soul with the heart, the mind, and the will, it's all wrapped up in that. But Jesus is not talking about a destination. He's not talking about hell like how, what does it profit you if you just gain hell in the end down the road? Jesus is actually talking about the condition or a diagnosis of your own soul. What does it profit you to go do all those other things while internally things are falling apart? While internally you don't have what God can give to you. He's talking about the state of your soul. Uh, every year at the beginning of the year in Washington, D.C., both houses of Congress come together and the president gives what's known as the State of the Union Address. And basically the president's role is, is to talk about all the facets of how we're doing. Now it's become so politicized that nobody listens to each other anymore, but the whole point was is to be able to say, hey, this is where we're at. You need a State of the Union of your soul. To be able to look at and say, what's going on? Where am I at? In the busyness, in the chaos, in the rat race of life that I'm in, how is my soul doing? It's a soul check time, if you will. We are complex people, and I've talked about this each week, where God has made us with important components. But today I want you to consider, the like a car that has an engine and electrical systems and a steering wheel, you and I have multiple parts of who we are. In week number one, I talked about what we have in, in terms of concentric circles. And so I had three circles that I put on the board and the spirit was at the center, the soul in the middle, and then the body, and how they are all connected to each other. 
Today, I want you to consider it through maybe a different lens, same thing going on, but maybe a different type of diagram and a Venn diagram. And so a Venn diagram here, and if you said body, soul, and spirit, we all are made up of these pieces, and it makes up who we are. Now, here's the interesting thing about what we're going to talk about today. The body, of course, it says in Genesis that God created our bodies, right? He created us out of the dust. So our body, God is a part of that. And we talked about it last week. It's important. But the body has all kinds of, of, of hunger pains, desires, urges, things that the body wants, right? And the body doesn't know what is good versus bad. So the body just has cravings, appetites for things, and it doesn't know the difference. It has to be controlled from somewhere else. If you only just follow your body, you're going to be in trouble, right? It's not going to do you well if you only follow your instinct and your urges. In fact, because of sin, many of the urges we're birthed with, if we don't have some form of control or direction or steering wheel, we'll just go out of control. We won't follow God's best for our lives. The other thing that you need to consider is that the body, one of the things that it has, it's not disconnected from the other part of your life. I mean, think about this. If you don't eat all day long and then you sit down with somebody that's confronting you with something, how patient are you? How many of you got hangry once in a while? It affects your emotions. It affects how you think. It affects the mind and the will. And this is the crossover from last week to this week is that when you think about your body, your body has an impact on the way you think. It has a huge impact on the way you think. Your appetites and all of those kind of things and what you consume, it has an impact. If you were to get sick, and let's say you had a cold or the flu or COVID or something like that, and, and you were not feeling well, and you're laying down and you're talking like this because you're all stuffed up and, and you can't, and, and somebody wants to have a conversation with you. How loving and empathetic are you? You're probably not too much. You're not thinking about others. You're just trying to survive yourself. So the body has an impact on other parts of who you are, okay? So it has a, a, a big impact. So the body and the soul are connected in this region, in the soul, Okay? And of course, the eternal part of you is as well. So when we talk about the body, I want you to consider that God gave you a body and he wants you to take care of your body, but don't go overboard on your body. Paul said it this way in 1 Timothy 4, 8. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So how many know training for godliness is what? Better. It's a lot better than just training on the physical. But don't think that your body doesn't matter. It's your temple and you need to address it. Now I want to talk about the mind and the will and the emotions in the realm of the soul today. And uh, when our thoughts are in opposition to what God wants for our life, we damage our souls. Romans 8, 6 says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. So we don't want to go down that pathway 
but the mind and will and emotions are overlapping with our body, soul, and spirit. So we need to consider the soul, and biblically speaking, remember I said that throughout the Bible, Old Testament to New Testament, the word soul has been used in different contexts. Sometimes it seems it's talking about our spirit, which is internal. Sometimes it's talking about our emotions and our feelings, which it seems more in this life, but it's in our moment and it's who we are. And uh, in Genesis chapter two, verse seven, it says this, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Now here's what I want you to catch. Because God breathed into us, it makes us different than all the other animals. God's breath into human beings makes you special, different. Your soul is a sense who you are. You are not just a body. You're not just a clump of cells. You are a living soul that encompasses and touches the areas of your body, but it means that you are special and unique. You're not just somebody out the assembly line that just is packaged like everybody else. And Jody, I know you're identical twin and all of that, but you are special and unique under yourself. I don't know if you know my wife is an identical twin, but, and the truth is, all of us have value and we are a person because God breathed into us. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're special. You're unique. There's nobody like you and God wanted you to be here on the earth. But the soul, as we see in Adam, connects all the parts of who we are. The body, the mind, the feelings. Your soul is what integrates your mind and your body into one person. This is who you are. Your soul is not just something that lives on after your body dies. It's the most important thing about you. It's the steering wheel of your car. And that's why integrity is a soul word. Integrity meaning all the parts are together. They matter and they are functioning. I mean, you know, with a bridge, if one of the parts of the bridge isn't working and it's lacking in integrity, there's a problem coming down the road. For our lives, we need to have the type of integrity that pulls it all together. And when a soul is well-ordered and is connected to God and people in life, it is a healthy soul. You alone are responsible for caring for your soul. Turn to the person next to you and point your finger at them. <laughs> Say, you alone are responsible for caring for your soul. Now, I say this out of my own story, and I've shared this several times at our church, but I want to bring it up again because it's a reality that many of us have in life. And way back in the day when I first started teaching at North Central University, and our, we, Jody and I had our four kids, and they were grown up, and, and it, we had a busy life. And it, for me and my job, I was teaching four new classes. I had 110 advi advisees that I was working with as students. I was traveling and speaking. I was finishing a master's degree program. I was coaching my son's football team. And I was sleeping about three hours a night for many years. Now, I... I felt like I was doing everything right. None of those separate activities were sinful activities. None of them would have been considered to be wrong 
according to the Bible. But what I was doing is my, as I was doing so much is internally, my internal world was lacking. In fact, it was disintegrating because you aren't built to handle all of that for a sustained amount of time and remain healthy in your relationship. Something will tip over. Something will bow the, the, the emotional inner world skeleton that you have. And for me, it happened while I was on a ministry trip to preach. I went into a Walmart, and while I was looking at possible um, uh, sermon illustrations and movie clips, I had a grand mal seizure and hit the ground. And when I hit the ground, uh, arms flailing, uh, the whole bit uh, out of control, they, they called the ambulance, the ambulance came, took me to the hospital. I get into the emergency room, and, and that's when I start waking up. I had about bit through my tongue. I, my whole body ached. And I was like, what is going on? And they told me what had happened. And I do not kid you because this is kind of what happens to all of our bodies. I stopped and the very first thought that came up was my job is killing me. I don't know what it is about us that when we hit pain points, we want to point the finger at something else. And uh, for me, I was pointing the finger at, at my job because it wasn't my fault. I mean, you know, we got a victim mentality in America. Kinda, actually, as human beings, we're born with it. And when, it, when I hit that spot, first time in my life that I can recall a very strong word from God. Now, I don't get them all the time, but this was strong. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you are responsible for your life and no one else. You will stand alone before me today, someday. Not today, hopefully. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. He didn't say today. That would have been, well, that wouldn't have been bad, I guess. But here's, here's the thing. As I was sitting there, it was as if God allowed things to happen, kept me alive, because I was out of control in the soul dimension of my life. And so that led to a number of weeks where I went through testing, and they said I, um, it was a one-time thing, but it was the result of lack of sleep and stress over a prolonged period of time. And my body shut down. And then I, I had to do certain things out of that. I had to change my life, control my life in a different way. I needed to, to reduce the amount of things I was running from thing to thing to. I needed to sleep at least seven hours a night. I had to do certain things. My point to you is this. For you and I, if we're responsible for our soul, neglect will cost you somewhere. So it isn't just the other person, your boss. It's not just your spouse. It's not just whatever you can name. Sometimes, if we're seeing these other things go on in our life that we don't like, the finger does come back to us. I love to say, when you point the finger, you got three coming back at you. And you need to consider what is the dimension of my soul that I need to manage. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Did you know that internally your soul is needy? The soul needs to be filled by God. Think about it in the garden. They walked and talked before sin, and God met all of their needs. The problem is, 
is that we begin wanting something outside of him. And when Adam and Eve fell, there was disintegration. That disintegration led to a point in the story where they now began to look to cover themselves with something else. They look to something else to fill what only God can fill. That's what an idol is. When we begin to look to something else because we have a need, idolatry is the sin of the soul meeting its needs with anything that distances us from God. Jesus said again back in Mark chapter 8, verse 36, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Losing your soul means I no longer have a healthy center that organizes and guides my life. I am a car without a steering wheel. We got to be in a place where we're not dependent on the circumstances. We can make it through anything. And for that to happen, we have to choose to move our attention from idols to God. And for that, it requires grace. Because the truth is, if we try to change our life with willpower, it will fail. How many of you tried to change things with willpower? And then you just went back to normal, right? So we need his grace to get there. How do we get the kind of power we need to pull away from something to God? Well, I want to talk about that a little bit. I want you to consider the way the psalmist would talk about it as they craved God. Psalm 63, the soul thirsts for the mighty one. It thirsts for him like parched land thirsts for water. Psalm 143, an updated version, modern version of Psalm 33:20. Like a laser, it focuses the full intensity of its desire on him. I love that. It lifts itself. The soul does up to him. It blesses him. It clings to him. And it waits for him in silence. Listen, your soul can reach out to God. And it has to reach out there. And today I want to challenge you to look inward at your soul. You are responsible for that soul. And you're to evaluate your soul. In fact, when Paul was teaching the Corinthian church about communion... He said in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. There is a point at which we need to be good at looking inward, pausing and not getting caught up in the Instagram publication and pausing to look inward. Is my body healthy? Are my mind and feelings healthy? Am I basing my feeling on circumstances? Am I producing good fruit? Is love and peace flowing from my heart? Is my soul healthy? And evaluate that. Because we're either being conformed or we're being transformed. You see, not just for the one time when we get saved and we get our, our eternal ticket to heaven, but on an every day, every week, every month, every year, every decade part of our life, we are to become more and more like God, being transformed. And this generation is getting more of its soul built up through electronic means than ever, through TikTok, through, through YouTube, through Hollywood, through Nashville, they're getting it from every dimension and they're getting their theology from out there and they're not knowing what is true and they're, they're going, why am I filled with anxiety? I read this week 
that teenagers in America in the last year, that over 50% of all teenagers are dealing with significant anxiety every day. Well, what's going into the teenagers? What's going into their heart and their mind? And what are they being told? What is true about themselves and their identity? What is, what is consuming their thoughts? And some of you are like, yeah, they're teenagers. Well, what's going on in your heart, mom and dad? What are you looking at on social media? You're dealing with frustration and, and it feels like we just lost our peace in America. Well, the Christian shouldn't be saying that. He is my peace. I didn't lose him. He is the God of peace. He is the one that I need. You and I need to look inward at our soul and to consider what's going in there. Our ideas about our bodies, our ideas about relationships, eternity, even angels and demons, prophecy, end times, all of the things, justice, biblical justice. Where are we getting our ideas from? Paul says to the, in Romans chapter 12 to the church, he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you what? Think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Listen, he's not saying be transformed once. He's talking about continuous transforming. I-N-G. Always being transformed. Your mind is saved. Yes, you're saved as a person, but your mind is always going through other inputs. So your mind needs to be washed. How many know there's toxins in our culture? There's toxins in religion. There's toxins in families. There's toxins at work. There's toxins everywhere we go. We need to have our mind cleansed so that we can have a soul that is truly at peace. The Greek word for transform in there is the Greek morphu, which means the inward and real transformation of a person. The inward and real transformation of a person. There's never been a time where the world outside the church needs a church with real transformation more than now. Because they're looking at us and they're going, you guys, you're in church, but how come you're dealing, you're no different than me? You've been in church for a long time and you know a lot of information, but how come you're just like me? And you can say, I am just like you. I am a sinner. I get that part. But the truth is the world has no hope until they see the church transforming. The world doesn't want Jesus until they see Jesus changing you. The, the, the family member that's waiting to see true transformation come out they're waiting for you. If we're not changed from the inside out, if we don't morph, we will be tempted to find external methods to satisfy our needs. It's what I call the danger of pretender transformation. Pretender transformation is when you go to church, maybe you're a regular attender, you do the right things, but you don't take the word and let the word change you 
You just go about your life and church becomes another club. It becomes another place to go, another thing to tell people that you go to church. Listen, real transformation happens on the inside, and we have a choice of whether or not we're going to take whatever is being preached and say, Jesus, would you let this become real in me? Not just information, but hit the save button where it goes into your heart, and you let God begin to transform you. If we cannot be transformed, we will settle for being informed or conformed then we won't become who God has shaped us to be. Friends, I don't want to be the same person I am in two years. I want to grow. I want to be more loving. I want to be more caring. I want to be more focused on the things that matter. And if I'm transformed, I will fulfill the destiny God has for my life. And I will have his peace because all the parts of my life are integrated. I will have what's called integrity. Integrity is not the absence of being perfect. Integrity is saying I'm submitted to God and he pulls my broken, disconnected parts together. So let me give you three things. How can we be transformed? Real simple, may seem like a repeat record, but I want everybody, no matter how old you are, to hear this. How can we be transformed? Number one, bring it all to him. Bring it all to him. Every part, every aspect. The great commandment in the Old Testament, repeated in the New Testament, Mark chapter 12, verse 30, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. This is saying I'm not gonna box God out of a particular area of my life. There's not a do not enter sign on this part of my story with God. I'm going to allow him to come in. And of course, it says, love the Lord your God. What does that mean? God is not some kind of killjoy demanding us to serve him and bow before him. And there's a love relationship that God has with his people. And in other words, love is a relationship. So when it says, love the Lord your God, it's also saying, in my relationship with God, I also need to allow him access into me. You can't have a friendship, a true friendship with anybody unless you drop your guard with them. Friendships take time. I get that. You can't become besties overnight. But the more you get to know somebody, the more you give them access to who you really are. Nobody wants to be a friend with a fake. Nobody wants to be a friend with somebody that closes off areas of their life to you. And although we all do that in some form or another, when it comes to God, we're to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That means simply pausing and saying, you know what, Lord? I'm going to give you the real talk version of me, not the Instagram glossed over edited version. And how many know he sees it all anyways? And so the New Testament talks about this, where the, the concept of confession, which is to speak the same thing to God, is what he already sees. So then it looks like this. If I'm going to love God and I'm going to, soul is going to get healthy, then I need to learn to talk to God on a real-time basis when I'm walking through whatever I'm walking through. I have to be able to say to him, Lord, I'm getting up today, and I don't feel like going to work. 
how many know he's going to probably tell you you still need to go to work? You still need to go to school. You still got to get up and go. But when you open up that part of you, instead of starting the day with a bunch of negative self-talk, you begin to open yourself up, even the darkest parts of who you are. And when you open that up, especially in the area of thought and mind, you begin to open up this beautiful opportunity for God to come in and take the toxins out and replace it with his pure truth. Listen, think about this. When you hit a moment on a Wednesday night or a Thursday morning or a Saturday night, when you are tempted to do something because your soul is hungry, so you go back to what you used to go to. Now alcohol is crying out for you. Or maybe gossip is crying out to you. Or maybe food is crying out to you. And you want to comfort your soul with something external. Those things can become idols to you. But if instead, in the middle of that, and go, Lord, I really want to go do this thing, you say it to God, God, I want to do that, but I choose you instead. I love you. I love you with all my body, all my heart, all my thoughts, all my Now God can come in and help you. Your soul becomes healthy when you don't box him out. We're going to talk about that next week a little bit more because human relationships and pain and uh, rejection and all of the things that happen in the soul dimension can often damage us. And I believe the Bible gives us hope for how we can overcome that. So if you've got a friend that's dealing with that and maybe in their past or in their relationships, invite them to church next week. It'll be a great week to bring them to church. Here's the point. My point is, is that we need to talk to God about those things that are going on and we give him access. Number two. Direct your thoughts or your mind to remember God. Direct your thoughts, your mind to remember God. Paul says in Philippians chapter four, verse eight, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You know, your thought life is kind of the palate of food that your soul eats from. And so you're going to it. And in your brain, the how many of your, your, your thought life is like the wild, wild west sometimes. You're thinking about all kinds of things. So that is actually normal. Turn the person next to you and say, you're normal. <laughs> Paul knows this and he's speaking to the church and he understands that our brain is kind of like a computer. Whatever goes in it becomes a part of who they are and it comes out. So he essentially is saying, listen, direct your thoughts, turn the steering wheel. If you find yourself getting off track, get it back on track by thinking about those things which are true and then God will transform you. So you have to learn to train your thought life, and that may mean unplugging from the things that take you on a downward spiral. Not watching that show anymore. Not following that person anymore. Not sitting at that table at lunch anymore. Because if you're going to redirect your thoughts, you gotta move away from one thing to another. And of course, a simple way is the Bible. 
Reading the Bible is huge. Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's something about meditating on the Bible that absolutely changes the way you think. You don't even have to totally understand all of it. Now this year, we've been going through the Bible in one year app at the church, and many of you have jumped in. You could still jump in if you wanted to search it up on your app store. And you can read or listen to Nicky Gumbel in his British accent, uh, give you his, his devotions daily, and the word of God is spoken. But here's something that happens. When you start reading the Bible, you start off by going, oh, I just don't have time for this today. I don't know if I want to do this. This is boring. I'm not in the mood. Whatever your thoughts are, right? And then the more you read it or listen to it, the more all of a sudden your brain starts going, Wah. I'm thinking about something different. I'm not listening to the demise of world governments and all those other things. I'm listening to the one who's above all those world governments. I'm not getting caught up in the, this back and forth between political groups. Why? Because I'm listening to those things which are true and holy and righteous. They're pure. They're admirable. They're lovely. I think that, you know, I've said for years that friends are like elevators. They can take you up or take you down. You'd be cautious about how much input is going in your head through some of the friends or even loved ones sometimes. And then redirect your thoughts. All right, number three. Believe that God will renew and refresh your soul. Believe that God will renew and refresh your soul. In other words, when you are in a place where you want a healthy soul or maybe you feel like there's areas that need to be fixed, you gotta believe God, the creator, can do this. Philippians 2, 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Listen, we all have got to have a construction sign on our life. At every stage, God's at work in me. He's at work up inside of you. And when you believe it, it activates. That's faith. You step into saying, I don't like who I am or how I feel at this moment. But as I confess, as I open the door up to God, as his light begins to shine in my soul, yes, it might point out things that need to go, but I know this, he's the one working on me. I'm not working on me. I'm turning to the one who knows best how to work on me. And when I turn to him, he begins to go inside of there and he's good and gracious and timely. He doesn't fix me all at once because if he did, I would be messed up. Sometimes we got to go through a process to get it right because we were trained for years and decades to be one way. Now we need to retrain our mind and our life and God knows how to do just that. And as he does it, there's a great confidence that can grow up inside of you that even though there's a gap between where I am and where I want to be, I know that God's got this. That if all I do is keep partnering with him on a daily basis, 
I allow Him to saturate my soul. I give Him my darkest days, my moments when I want to sin, when I want to go somewhere I shouldn't go, when I become a grumpy person, when I don't like what kind of mom or dad I am, when I think about what I've done. In that moment, I can pause and say, oh, Daddy, I don't like where I'm at, but you know me best, so I'm leaning on the everlasting arms of heaven. I'm calling on the one that knows my soul the best, and I know you've got this, and I can trust you. Come on, church. Why don't you stand on all of our locations? God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He can take all the broken pieces of Humpty Dumpty and put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Next week, we're going to talk about those broken hearts and relationships and how the soul can recover from the damage of pain and abuse in the world. But today, I want you to know there's truly nothing that God can't do. No one beyond his help. I love what Dr. Tony Evans, man of God in Dallas, Texas, served the Lord for decades and he lost his wife this last year. And he says this, he said, you cannot deny your circumstances, but you can refuse to give your circumstances the last word. Trust God and look to him in the middle of life's struggles. Today for our response in a moment, after I pray, we're gonna have worship on each of our locations. And while you're worshiping, I encourage you to do the confess thing before God and open up your life and drop your guard and allow God in to the, to the soul region. Allow him to do his work. But before we do that, I wanna pray a prayer. I was in my prayer time this week. I walked the sanctuary yesterday again, as I always do. And, and I felt like the Lord impressed on me that, that you can pray over yourself, but I'm gonna partner with you as a pastor. And so if you are in a place where in your heart, there's stuff in the heart and the part of you and the soul and the heart and soul of you that's just not right. You lack peace. There's something going on, brokenness, frustration, insecurity, whatever it may be. And uh, when we pray, I'm gonna ask you to put your hand over your heart and allow God to work on your heart. And this is obviously the physical part of you, but to consider what God would do on the most inner part of you. And I also wanna pray specifically for people that today, that in your mind, the anxiety, the, the lack of sleep, the things that are controlling you, the worries and the fears about what's gonna happen with you or your family or the world around you. And God doesn't mean for you to live in anxiety. I want you to, when I'm praying, I want you to put your hand on your head because I just believe that God is gonna do that. In fact, right now, either heart or hand or both, uh, just, Put your hand there, and otherwise, just open up your heart and your hands to the Lord. Father, I just pray now in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that every child of God under the sound of my voice, Lord, was born by you. Lord, just like in Genesis, when you breathed into the dust, you created a human individual, a unique person that has great value. And then, Lord, as we've grown, no matter what age and stage we're in, Lord, as we've grown, we've accumulated all kinds of things, many of them good. You've always been good. You've always been faithful. But Lord, we've also picked up the toxins of the world, the patterns of conformity to things around us that just aren't your plan. 
And so I pray, God, that as we pray today, that you would usher in your peace. The God of peace would speak to minds right now. Lord, people that have words and scripts from the past and things that have controlled them, that Lord is dominating the steering wheel. It's kind of taking the steering wheel off the road of your destiny. I pray, oh God, that you would break the stranglehold of the old scripts of the other things in Jesus' name and free the will up to follow your commands, whatever is true and noble and kind and trustworthy. I pray, God, that, Lord, you would release the mind in Jesus. If there's anything demonic in there, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would break the, the, the demonic uh, soul ties in Jesus' name. Whatever is in there, I pray that you'd break it. And then I pray for the heart, Lord, the place where, Lord, we gain our optimism, where we think about others from our heart, where we love from our heart. But too many times, oh God, we're kind of closed in and we've we shut off that part of our life. I pray that, Lord, you would go in and do surgery. You do heart surgery. Lord, from the inside out, that you would awaken the child of God, the one that, that you called them to be. They would know, Lord, that you are with them. And as you are with them, I pray there would be confidence in every daughter of heaven and every son of heaven. I pray in Jesus' name, you would raise us up and that we would know, oh God, your victory because of what you're doing in our life. We will bless your name because we know that you're on the move. We know that you're in our families. We know that you're moving in this city. We know that you're moving in our lives. We bless your name. In fact, church, just now in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to just lift your hands. Just lift them to heaven. Just lift them to heaven. Just begin to talk out loud. I'm going to release it to all the other locations right now, but I, I want you to, in Jesus' name, just lift it up. Be and bless the Lord out of this. Let it come out of your mouth. I bless you, Lord. You're in my heart. You're in my life. I trust you with my story. You are with me. I don't need to be worried or concerned or afraid that you are strong and mighty. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services live every week. Check out emmanuelcc.org for details.